Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, we enter the second last week of the NRL Supercoach season. Round 24, it is upon us, and uh, it's come around very quickly, hasn't it? Ryan Selvage and Tommy Hudson with you once again here on the Supercoach 365 podcast. We do it for topsport.com.au. A big thank you to Tristan and the team up there in Queensland. What a job uh, the whole state has done to keep the season going, Tommy. And we enter the final two weeks here, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big end to the year. Yeah, absolutely. G'day, Ryan. Um, it's getting tricky on Supercoach with... Most people probably are out of trades now, only with one or two, and injuries and suspensions continuing. But as far as the uh, footy on the field goes, rather, it's uh, been pretty good. Thank God for Queensland, as you say, and uh, some big matches before the finals in two weeks' time. What do you make of the the regional venues at the weekend? I thought that was quite a special sight to see, and that's probably the one good thing to come out of uh, what all in all is a, a very bad situation. No footy, obviously, in New South Wales or Victoria, Canberra, but getting to these smaller grounds and these boutique little stadiums, it's giving back to the heartland of the game, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. I think it's good. Um, if you play those games at the Gold Coast or Suncorp, it's probably not going to have the same sort of atmosphere and good feel to it as it does when you play it at places like Rockhampton or Toowoomba. So I think it definitely adds something to the game and it really, I guess, broadens the horizons of the sport and uh, gives those people in country areas a good view of the game. People at Toowoomba, they were treated to one of the finest performances of James Tedesco's career and he's had a couple of those. Uh, 182 supercoach points for Teddy. He's almost been the forgotten man of this, uh, I mean, the plethora of fullbacks that we have at our disposal this year, but... Teddy, just with a, a timely reminder to super coaches that, hey, Tommy's been on fire. Pappenhausen's back doing good things as well. Latrell, he's finding his feet in the number one. But Teddy, he's just said, look, I'm still here to stay as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the forgotten man in a way. And even by his standards, well, he probably still has had a great year. Let's be honest. It's just he's been overshadowed by 
absolute freakish performances by people like Tommy Turbo, as you say. Uh, Tedesco still this year has averaged 89, which is only six points less than last year when he averaged 95. So you really can't knock Teddy. But his performance the other day was uh, certainly one to remember. Yeah, just uh, pulling some stats out of the Daily Telegraph here. They they say since round 19, when uh, the Roosters played the Knights, Teddy's had the most metres, the most tackle busts, the second most tries of any player in the game. Um, and obviously, he, last week he ran for more than 280 metres or thereabouts. Uh, that score of 182, the second highest uh, super coach score of his career. We must say, though, Tommy Turbo's played one less game in that time, but it just shows you that uh, after that poor score of 45 against the Storm in round 16, he's come out with with a bang. He's got some big scores next to his name. Yeah, he's really stood up, and I think a lot of that would come back to the fact that the Roosters needed him to. They're missing so many of their best players. I think I saw a team on Twitter today made up of just injured and suspended players or players that have retired from the Roosters this year, and it was a hell of a sight. So it shows that players like Teddy and other senior members need to stand up, and Teddy's been doing exactly that. It's, it's almost unbelievable to think that after the start of the year when we did our Roosters preview and then uh, we settled on our final teams, we, we kind of flipped, didn't we? We thought Teddy might have been too expensive, and then he was a must-have, and uh, he kind of... <laughs> Didn't live up to that price tag early on in the season. Uh, obviously, the first two rounds were very, very impressive, but then he kind of had that lull as the Roosters' injury toll started to take effect. To have James Tedesco in your team at this time of the year, suddenly, you know, look back on the past five weeks, he's a real pod. And, you know, for someone who was once a must-have to now be classed as a pod, uh, pretty incredible to think. Uh, last week, obviously, Tommy Turbo didn't play, as we said there, in terms of those statistics. But uh, a man who did come back into that familiar number one jersey was Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, scored 101 in that match against the Titans. What do you make of Paps's return to fullback? Yeah, I thought he was a lot better, a lot better than he had been in the previous weeks. And that was to be expected, I suppose, with getting match fit and actually probably starting the game helps rather than sort of coming on halfway through and trying to pick up the pace of the game. But yeah, I thought he was really dynamic and entertaining and getting back to sort of the form we saw at the start of the year. You break down that score of 101 a little bit more and uh, you see here via nrlsupercoachstats.com what a phenomenal website this is. 50 creative points tied to uh, that score of 101. Uh, I dug a little bit deeper just to find out, well, where does that rank in terms of his career, Ryan Pappenhausen, his creative output? 50 uh, creative points in one match was the second highest of his career, albeit a short one. But his previous best of 76 against the Seagulls uh, coming in round 16 of 2020. It just made me think, though, perhaps particularly towards the start of the year, a lot of his points were coming uh, off scoring tries or kicking goals. His evasive stats as well. The fact that his creative points are now, I guess, the basis or the bulk of that, that big score of 100-plus, do you reckon that means that he's just maybe still a little bit hesitant to run the ball off the back of these knocks and he's thinking maybe pass first and run second? Yeah, look, it's possible. And I think something that would back that theory up is the fact that even last week, despite playing well, I noticed every time he got tackled, he really did get smashed. I don't know, maybe if he's still lacking a bit of size or just not used to the collision again, but maybe that's why he's looking to pass and sort of a bit more like Nico Hines. Nico Hines is a much more of a ball-playing fullback than Paps, but that's that's how sort of Paps played the other night. But um, look, either way, he's uh, he's one to watch and he's, he's improving every week. Yeah, and I think he's only going to get better as well. And uh, that's indicated by the fact that he does hold out Nico Hines again uh, in that jersey number one and with Jerome Hughes back in jersey number seven, Nico reverts to the bench. We'll get into the team list in four a little bit later, but let's just... Uh, look back before we look too far forward I want to talk about that Storm Titans game a little bit more because just as good as the Storm were the Titans I think they were equally as disappointing 
And a lot of that stems off the back for mine of David Fafita. He just wasn't involved. And this is a point that we've spoken at length about his, uh, I guess, the way he can fade in and out of games. But that Supercoach score of 31, I know it's not everything, the Supercoach score, but it does reflect a lot of his involvement or lack thereof, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And um, he, he just looks to be really struggling. He just didn't look a happy player the other night. I, I know you you mentioned that to me the other day. when Whenever he was getting tackled, he was getting up, looking at the ref, sort of blowing up. Just He didn't look himself. And uh, his last two weeks, 31, two scores in a row. Um, it's not, not going great for him. And a lot of people would have banked on him being a sort of player who's fixed-proof at the end of the year, but he certainly hasn't handled those fixtures very well. Yeah, he did have that run in the middle part of the year, didn't he, where he was a must-have, and he was even getting close to a million dollars himself, that magical mark, which uh, obviously Tom Travojevic and Nathan Cleary have since passed. But looking at these stats a little bit more, 73 minutes he played, he had that short stint on the bench, but just seven hit-ups, 61 metres, one tackle pass, well down on his season average of about five or six. 21 tackles. But just that indication that his mind maybe wasn't there. The two try causes that he, I mean, line breaks, Munster just left him dusted twice. And for mine, arguably a stat that you don't hear too much about, but his speed of the play the ball, it was the slowest of any Titan. He just got up. He just didn't, he didn't look interested. Yeah, really disappointing, I think, that he's been. And he is, even though at a young age, I think he's a real leader in this team. Yeah, I think he needs to stand up a little bit. Um, I think that was probably always a little bit of a risk though he's still he's still young but he has that big name and that big big contract I guess and all of that sort of means you kind of have to perform and you kind of have to be a mature member of the team and look somehow the Titans can still make it I don't think they've played well at all this year but the nature of the comp if they win their last two they're a very good chance so it's not over yet for them yeah they kick us off on Thursday night uh, against that Knights team which uh, to themselves <laughs> probably a good chance of making the top eight but yeah even they're struggling uh, let's speak of a team which isn't struggling the Panthers they were too good for the Rabbitohs and I was quite keen on the Panthers last week I thought they were a big chance to win 13 plus they did with that last minute try to Appy Coruscant Nathan Cleary back scored a try he's passed two scores uh, since his injury return or his return from injury 82 and 86 uh, <laughs> He hasn't played at his best, and, and that's a worrying sign for the Tigers who copped the Panthers this week. Yeah, well, Nathan Cleary is a bit unlucky that he's playing this well in a year where Tommy Turbo has gone even better because without doing any statistical analysis or going back through the years, I'd imagine an average of 110 on Supercoach would have been the best player any other year when you've got Turbo scoring 134 average this year. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, I think even at the back end of last year, we were... Uh, raving about Teddy having a 90-plus average. Uh, so to have two players, or I think there's even more than two, I uh, have to double-check that. But, um, yeah, with a with a three-figure average, it is incredible. Let's just keep this moving here. Elsewhere last weekend, the Sharks thumped the Tigers, and it was led by their young brigade in uh, Trindle and Metcalf, the, the young halves pairing. They were impressive. Sione Katoa and Ronaldo Molotalo, they found some form as well. Uh, the Tigers, ultimately, a very disappointing end to that game. You look at... Uh, the way that that game set up for the Tigers on paper I thought it was a almost a 50-50 chance but the Sharks they proved it was anything but yeah and I was the same as you going to the game I wasn't really confident either way I went the Sharks but really just by default um, but yeah the Sharks really showed up uh, Braden Trindle he's been a little bit of a surprise packet at the back end of the year Probably had to fight to get his spot in the team, but now he's really nailed it down. 130 the other day um, in our little draft game. He was a big help to me. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Uh, that is uh, it for the round 23 review. Let's uh, have a look at how we actually fared, though. It was a really bad week for myself. 
um, dropped 426 places. I've slipped outside the top 1,000, and that was largely in part to uh, our captain Adam Dewey, who I thought was in for a big afternoon against the Sharks. We've since learned that he has a partial ACL tear. So uh, the Tigers, things go from bad to worse for them. But uh, how did you fare last week? Yeah, not amazing. I was 11.24, top 16%. I went up slightly into the top 4% overall. Largely due to the fact that I had managed to loophole captain um, Harry Grant, who got around 100. He played pretty well. But yeah, no trades left, so really just scraping by for the final two rounds. And that's the way we will be, isn't it? The final two rounds, obviously, the goal has been to just keep climbing, get as close to the top 1,000 as we can. We've said uh, time and time again that was the goal, and you've obviously uh, itched or inched a little bit closer in the recent weeks, Tommy. Uh, before we look ahead to round 24, let our listeners know that uh, it's been a big year, our first year here on the Supercoach 365 podcast, and we're going to hand out some uh, awards for our Player of the Year, uh, and obviously some uh, mixed awards in there, maybe even the Flop of the Year, the Rookie of the Year, some surprise performances, but... Uh, yeah, looking forward to this one, Tommy, and obviously the people will be able to have a say at our Instagram. Yeah, exactly right. Our first year, as you said, and it's been a massive year for Supercoach with some of the biggest scores we've ever seen, and I guess we want to kind of pay tribute to the players who have done that and who have given us all the stuff to talk about, so we'll go through some of the biggest performances and also some of the worst performances next week. Let's get into our talking points, of course. Uh, speaking of our Instagram, at Supercoach365, we put this up every Tuesday morning before the Tuesday night record, and uh, a couple of questions here to get through. Uh, not as many as it has been in recent weeks, but obviously... Uh, uh, a lot of players, uh, their seasons might have finished in terms of they've been knocked out of the finals. But for those still playing along and looking for those overall points, uh, some questions here, so we'll get through them quite quickly. The first one being, uh, speaking of uh, players of the year, top three targets for next year, uh, not including Tom or Nathan. So this is probably more of a draft question. Uh, top three targets. We've obviously mentioned uh, Tom Travojevic and Nathan Cleary. They're probably head and shoulders above pick number three. But if we're picking at uh, picks three, four, and five, Tommy, uh, who do you think falls into that category? Yeah, geez, it's a good question because it is hard to look beyond those uh, big two. They'll definitely be the big two in all uh, in all comps, I'd imagine. Uh, James Sadesco, I think he's proven again in recent times that he is, you know, one of the biggest players in the game in the Supercoach game. So I think he should be the sort of player that is looked at in that sort of higher tier uh, maybe Latrell Mitchell can con- keep continuing to play the way he is and uh, look if you want to stay on the south train maybe Cody Walker again he just looks to be getting better with age and he's probably been at his best this year so perhaps he can go one better again next year what about you mate yeah this is a really good question for mine and a big thank you to Sweepinator uh, who's asked this one obviously we had our top 20 draft picks to start the year we did a special podcast on that but uh I think a lot of this will boil down to if there's rule changes next year, be it the six again uh, in the in the real world game, or if there's super coach scoring changes. But going purely off, we have in front of us right now. Obviously, the high ceiling players I think are important, particularly if you're playing in the captaincy league. Uh, you mentioned Teddy there. I think he's the clear third pick. Um, he was very nearly a first pick this year, but the way that Tommy and uh, Nathan Cleary have gone this year, Tom uh, Teddy's probably relegated back to number three. For mine, I think the role of the CTW is is gaining a hell of a lot of importance. So even someone like a Brian To'o, um, maybe, I don't know if he goes at pick four, but maybe pick five, definitely in the top 10, I think uh, Brian will go next year. Ryan Pappenhausen, if he can get his body right, I think I picked him up at pick three this year and he justified that to start the year, but obviously injuries got the better of him, uh, those head knocks and such. 
But then again, you look at those other positions, like you mentioned there, Cody Walker at 5'8", even Adam Dewey, I think uh, he'll be dual position next year, centre wing 5'8". So yeah, plenty to consider there, but definitely I'll be leaning towards those high ceiling players. Uh, big thank you, yeah, as I said, to Sweepinator for that question. That's a very good one. And uh, before we get into the 2022 season, I'm, no doubt we'll do our uh, top 20 draft picks or something similar. So stay tuned to that in the new year. Connor Nardi has asked us here, Remus or Hines? Um, probably playing one of these two at center wing to finish the year. Nico Hines back to the bench this week, Tommy. So that might answer the question for us. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think finally Hines' run of starting has ended. Uh, he's been obviously a great servant to everybody really this year and a surprise packet for sure. But yeah, back to the bench now. He'll still probably get on, you'd think, for like parts of the second half, you'd imagine. But you'd rather have Remus Smith playing 80 minutes and games against the Eels and Sharks, both pretty good scoring opportunities. A couple of questions here from Henners147. He says he's ranked 24th. So don't know why he's asking us for advice, but he says AD now out. AD to Cleary and Ponga to Pappy. Uh, last two trades, I need to make a late run. On paper, that seems a pretty good couple of trades. Cleary obviously has a, a great fixture this week against the Tigers, and I think Ryan Pappenhausen, I don't think he's a chance of resting. So for mine, I think they're two great trades. Says Ponga has been a dud. Um, but yeah, would you, would you go with those two? Yeah, I love it. If you're coming 24th, that, that looks two good trades to sort of boost you up even higher. Um Ponga's, he's just not performing. Knights aren't performing. I think that's the problem. I don't know what's wrong with Newcastle. They've had very winnable games, and they have won them, but really been under sufferance to win them. Uh, probably the only risk is Pappenhausen if he did rest the last round, but it's looking pretty unlikely given that he's only just returned. Yeah, he's had plenty of time off footy, Ryan Pappenhausen. I think, as you said there uh, at the start, Tommy, the best thing for Paps at the moment, I think he's playing more footy, not less. So can't imagine he gets a rest in those final two weeks. And the way that the Eels and Sharks have been defending and the way that Paps can quickly rack up a score. I think they're two very good fixtures for Ryan Pappenhausen. Last one here before we move on to our Round 24 preview. Uh, Cody Soso asks, why does everyone waste all their trades so early in the season instead of saving them? Well, I actually thought this when when Hennes says he has two trades left. I've been out of trades for probably three or four weeks now. Good question here from Cody. Tommy, why does everyone waste their trades so early in the season? Because we're idiots. I honestly don't know. (laughs) It's a good question. I, I, I went too hard at it this year. Probably during Origin, I probably tried to, I guess, make sure those teams were as good as possible. I didn't really think ahead too much. Um, I've kind of hung in there, but it is getting pretty hard now. So, yeah, I think it's good lessons to be learned for people to maybe just keep a couple more up your sleeve. I think it's been a, f- a very unique and phenomenal year in the sense that a lot of players that you would have been, you know, super coaches would have been happy to finish their season off with got injured at crucial times. Uh, Pappenhausen obviously went down early. You wouldn't have traded him out the way he was playing to start the year. Obviously, Turbo was a late inclusion to start the year. Fafita has been up and down. Cleary, uh, we didn't know if his season was ended. Brian Toto, Alex Johnston, uh, Angus Crichton, Ryan Madison, these players that were almost set and forget for large parts of the season. Uh, They've kind of gone out and had to come back in or then they've gone out again. So could be an answer to that question. But um, yeah, to have two trades left like Hennes does at this time of year, you have uh, played a very, very good game. We mentioned Kalen Ponga there, and of course he will be on show in the first game of Round 24 uh, against the Gold Coast Titans, this one at the Sunny Coast Stadium. The Knights are favourites in this one, but uh, a pretty even game in terms of betting on topsport.com.au. $1.82 the Knights, the line 
uh, minus one and a half. They give that away. The Titans, $2.02 two head-to-head. So we're expecting a tight one here to kick us off. Yeah, probably the most important game of, of the weekend in terms of deciding the top eight. The winner here is well on their way to making the eight. If the Knights win, they're pretty much confirmed, but the Titans can can win and be in with a big shot. Um, not probably too much doing with Supercoach here. I think Jaden Campbell, probably not for this year now, but one to watch for the future. I thought he was really impressive against Melbourne, and he's, uh, I think it was his debut against Melbourne about eight weeks ago. It was good also, so he looks a player on the rise. What about Bradman best, Tommy? Let's talk about Bradman. I think as someone who owns him in Classic, and you own him both in Classic and Draft, he must be a frustrating player to hold because so many times in that game against the Titans, he just doesn't get the ball. I don't know how they don't seem to get the ball in the hands of Badman Best, such an attacking weapon on his day, but he just doesn't see enough footy for mine. Yeah, no, I agree. 100% doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, His first game back against Canberra, they gave him a fair bit of ball and he repaid the faith. He scored a try, he set up a couple. But yeah, ever since, I don't know, the ball has just dried up and like I said before, the Knights don't seem to be performing as well as they can and surely early ball to Bradman Best would be a good tactic. Uh, Gold Coast and Brisbane the last two rounds. So he has two good good opportunities to uh, score well. Call me crazy, but could it be a fact that Jonathan Thurston's influence at the Cowboys is hurting Bradman Best? Now let me spell it out because Clifford plays on that left side. He's obviously grown into his footy watching Jonathan Thurston play and that play from Thurston to Gavin Cooper on that left side, hitting the back row short was just ingrained in the Cowboys style. So is it a fact that Clifford's come into this team and he's just his first instinct is to always hit Barnett short or is that reading into it too far? Well, it, it could be reading into it too far, but it could also be spot on. Uh, maybe Clifford doesn't even realise he's doing that. It's probably just subconscious that he actually is. But yeah, Best seems to be used as a decoy a lot of the time. I guess his size is a massive reason why someone like Inari Tuala is scoring a lot more tries because he's just left open because the wing is drawn into Best and it works out fairly well for the Knights, but I do think they'd be better served just giving Best a lot more of the ball. Still managed to score 49 points with a try that didn't include a line break last week. So not the end of the world for Babin Best, but uh, he was obviously a, a key and a very popular pickup in a lot of teams uh, before that game against the Broncos a couple of weeks ago on the back of that good run home. Uh, and he gets a chance to score a couple of tries this week and against the Titans, you'd think. Friday night gets us underway. The Warriors and the Raiders, uh, this one in Mackay. Uh, the Warriors, geez, they uh, they probably went within a whisker. They, I mean, we spoke about this before we went on air. A little bit unlucky with Reese Walsh missing as many goals as he did the other night, but that try they got awarded late. Maybe they shouldn't have even got as close as they did. They're the outsiders here against the Raiders, who start at all the 44 favourites, the line six and a half. Which way do you see this one going? Uh, look, my heart says Canberra. My head probably says Canberra as well. Um, I think we're probably going well enough to beat the Warriors, who are pretty pretty disappointing against Brisbane. I thought they'd probably be able to take care of them with their season on the line, but they, they couldn't do that. Um, but yeah, Josh Curran here for the Warriors. I'd be surprised if he played. Just watching the other day, he was pulled off the field with 10 minutes to go, I think, with a HIA. Um, wasn't really made certain by anybody, but he looked in a bit of a bad way. In a five-day turnaround, um, I would be surprised if he played. Matt Lodge is back for the Warriors, and it's hard to look past jersey number seven here, Chad Townsend. He gets a start alongside Sean O'Sullivan, but... I think I read somewhere the other day, it might have been Brent Reid from the Australian, he says that uh, Sullivan was dropped and Chad was recalled last week and Chad so far at the Warriors, he was bought to get them to the finals, he's done anything but 
uh, four games for four losses. Yeah, you don't need to tell me about Chad. I've never really been a massive fan of his, but I don't. Yeah, I just don't get it. Um, the other day, I don't know why you'd sub out Sean O'Sullivan when they had one three on the trot. The Warriors hadn't been the most amazing victories, but I don't think you disrupt the halves when they're winning. Um, I think Chanel Harris Devita is injured this week, which has meant Chad and Sean. Uh, are partnered in the halves, but yeah, it's only only two games left at the club, so he'd want to improve next year at the Cowboys, let's just say that. I think we said last week that Jack Whiten's found some of his best form. He's running the ball, looks a little bit more confident, and that obviously helps his outside men. Uh, look at the likes of the left wing. Uh, Bailey Simonson, two pass scores of 106 and 63. He's back in try-scoring form, doing really, really well, and coming up against that right-side defence of the Warriors, DWZ, he's not the most prolific defender on that right side loves to jam in so you can definitely see Bailey and Jack White and racking up some scores here yeah absolutely and it's been good welcome for super coaches because a lot of people like myself probably still had Bailey Simonson in from the middle of the year and He's found his high-scoring form, and Jack Whiten's found his 2020 form as well. Ewan Aiken uh, has, has been doing a good job, and he is in the back row again. Uh, so if you've snagged him in the last couple of weeks, you've grabbed a handful of tries and some pretty handy base. I don't think he knows how to pass the ball, Ewan Aiken. Speaking of back rowers, Nat Butcher, he won't be there. This curse continues for the Roosters in their back row between injury and suspension. Egan Butcher gets a start in this Roosters match against the Rabbitohs. Uh, this one at Suncorp Stadium, the, the primetime game on Friday night. And yeah, this uh, heavyweight billing in years gone by, but a very, very different Roosters team. You said earlier, Tommy, just the amount of injuries and suspensions and retirements they've caught this year. Uh, they're going to have to be playing their best. This this bits and pieces team, which still features a host of names. Yeah, it's bits and pieces, but like you say, it's still, still pretty beating over 50% of the comp with the names they have in their side. I don't think they're going to beat South, so I think South... They weren't terrible against Penrith the other day, but they didn't really say to anyone that they can win this comp. Um, I think they probably need a bit of a statement game here, and they have the wood over the Roosters lately. Obviously, they put 60 on them last year, and they were pretty dominant early in the year against them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they could put a score on again. Uh, I think we saw tweets earlier in the week from Wacko's Whisper that Damien Cook could be rested for the game, but he's named, so I'm uh, not sure what's going on there. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on there. Uh, you look at Benji Marshall in jersey number 14, but I'm probably more interested in jersey number 20. Uh, Peter Marmozellis uh, was a hooker coming through the junior rep system and plenty of raps on him. I don't think Benji can play 80 minutes at hooker. You might even see Benji drop out if Cook is to drop out and they'll bring in uh, the young fella there to play dummy half. Rabbitohs here, dollar twenty six favourites, the Roosters. So they get uh, an 11.5 point start and I think the Roosters they might not be you know favorites with the bookies or with the punters but what they showed last week is they're still going to have a dig and they still have the ability to score points so that 11 and a half that might be a good play if you are inclined to side with the Roosters here of course the Roosters put on plenty of points against the Dragons who this week come up against the Cowboys on the first of three games on Saturday afternoon, this one back in Rockhampton. So uh, well done to the people who turned out in their numbers last week and they'll get a treat here, Tommy. Two teams which on their day can find plenty of points and maybe not so much defence and uh, expecting plenty of points in this one, I think. Yeah, you'd think so. I don't think uh, defending will be at the top of the priority list. Uh, The Dragons lost six straight. The Cowboys nine or ten straight. So it'll be a pretty desperate game. But I think the Cowboys will be more desperate. I think the Dragons, they're a pretty old sort of 
team that have been around for a while, the players sort of thing, I don't think they'll be caring too much about this game. I think the Cowboys, a young side, they really want to win to try and ruin it, uh, to get rid of this monkey off their back and finally get a victory. Um, Matt Dufty again dropped back for one week out again. I'm assuming he's played his last game for the Dragons. Yeah, and you look across the board as well. Jason Tamalolo's back. Uh, name to start in the front row, which I think is a good move for the Cowboys. Obviously plays like that anyway, and the changing role of the number 13 allows Reuben Cotter to get back there. A bit of ball playing there through the middle for the Cowboys. Interesting as well, not only uh, a change of jersey for their captain, but what about Valentine Holmes, named in jersey number three? And imagine that he'd be marking up on Zach Lomax. Yeah, it's exciting to see Holmes in the three jersey. Um, I think... I think Hammersell has the wood over Holmes in, in, as far as uh, the Cowboys' number one for 2022. Obviously, they have an off-season to get through, and Val Holmes can sort of stake his claim for the jersey, but I think the Hammer sort of has the first call at the moment. Second game on Saturday afternoon, the 5.30 kickoff, the Sharks. The Red Hot Sharks, it seems, going off last week's form, but $1.50 favourites up against the Broncos, $2.65. This on a Sharks home game at Suncorp Stadium. The Broncos, they'll get a five-and-a-half point start and uh, expecting... <laughs> Yeah, some points in this one as well. I think the Sharks, they obviously love to turn it on in attack. We mentioned the young types in uh, Metcalf last weekend and Trindle and uh, the electric outside backs. Obviously, Mulatalo won't be there, unfortunately, with that broken jaw. But the Broncos, they might have just turned the corner, I feel, in recent times. They're a little bit more competitive and they bring a lot more to the table this year than they did last. Yeah, absolutely. They played pretty well recently. Uh a lot better than they had been in the past 18 months. And Anthony Milford the other day, he played well for once. He'd been obviously off the boil for a while now, but he he had a really good game against the Warriors and he was a big part of them winning that game. Uh, But for the Sharkies, you'd have to think... Metcalf and Trindle, they were pretty impressive last week, both going big on Supercoach, and there's not really a reason why they won't be able to do that again. Yeah, look at the extended squads, and I don't think there'll be too many changes there. So Sharks probably look to run out 1-17 to in this one, and obviously Matt Moylan again coming off the bench, as he did last week uh, in his return from injury. I thought he was decent, Moylan. I think that could be a role for him going forward, obviously with Nico Hines coming to the club next year, I think. Moylan in that 14, he can play a bit of that experience utility role like Benji Marshall offers up at Souths. Yeah, they're an exciting team, Cronulla, at the moment. There's a lot of players there. We don't know exactly where they're going to play, but they all sort of have their own ability, and I think they'll mix in together well. Uh, I think, like you said, Moylan, maybe that is the spot for him on the bench, and I think he showed the other day, he only came on for about 20 to half an hour, but he, he, he had a nice impact on the game, and why not use him in that role? Rounding us out on Super Saturday is the all-conquering, the high-flying Melbourne Storm looking to extend this winning run to 20 games and uh, take that all-time winning record or that winning streak. Uh, make it their own here. $1.09 they start here. The Eels, $7.75. Could you imagine this price? Say, two or three months ago, the you know two top four teams on paper going head-to-head, but the Storm, they've kicked on and the Eels, they've just gone the other way. Yeah, no, it's quite amazing, isn't it? The fact that you can have first versus sixth and the team is a dollar or nine. Um, but it's hard to argue with the price, isn't it, really? The way the Storm are going, they probably showed a few maybe signs of, I don't know if they were tired or just slow to get out of the blocks last week against the Gold Coast, but they, they made up for lost time and still won that pretty convincingly. The Eels got a win the other day, but I don't think they were that impressive. So this is probably the biggest game all year for the Eels. If they're going to show anything, it has to be this weekend. So maybe they can keep it a little bit closer than the market is saying, but uh, it's hard to not be keen on the Melbourne Storm. I think what's even more concerning for the Eels is the fact that the Storm probably have the spine that they'll run out with on grand final day. 
um, back and playing together for the first time in a very long time, I think. Uh, obviously, Pappenhausen back to one. Hughes has been named to play, uh, making that return from that vicious head knock he copped a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Brandon Smith wins out in the jersey number nine over Harry Grant. And that's probably the, the main talking point out of this team list is we didn't know how this relationship was going to work throughout the, the course of the season. And obviously, Brandon's proved himself over, um, you know, throughout the season that he might be the better hooker of the two, or at least he offers a little bit more when he starts as opposed to when Grant wears the number nine. Yeah, I reckon it's more that Harry Grant is offers more off the bench. So you can bring Harry Grant on after 20 minutes and his speed is evident and he can really get through some some tired forwards. Whereas Brandon Smith, if he starts the game, when Harry Grant comes on, he can sort of go to lock and you can take Chris Lewis off or something. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe a couple of changes to this team, only because Bellamy has come out a few times and said that they're looking to rest players over the last few rounds. So you never know. You might see one or two players uh, rest before teams are finalised on the weekend. Yeah, maybe. I think I read Cameron Munster was maybe a chance of getting a rest. But if he's not, I think it's interesting. How many minutes does Nico Hines play? Like, do they... Do they kind of do what they did when Pappenhausen was on the bench and just give him a run before half time and leave him out there for 35 or 40 minutes? Or does he not get a run like he did in last year's grand final where he just sat there for 80 minutes? I think the Storm in the past have been guilty of maybe being a little bit too creative with their interchange and mixing and matching their spine. And uh, I think it cost them a premiership one year when the Roosters went on to win it and that whole Brody Croft you know, debacle it turned out to be off the bench. So, yeah, keep an eye on Nico Hines' minutes. I'm really, really interested to see how they use him off the bench, and I think a lot of super coaches would be as well. Yeah, I 100% agree from a super coach point of view, but also just from a, a general watching footy point of view as well, because, like, I don't think there is such thing as a good problem to have, and, like, it is a problem trying to fit Hines into the team. He's so good, but at what point, not really this week, but more in the finals and, like, a grand final, at what point... Are you going to need a player like Nico Hines on the field when you already have Harry Grant on the bench? I don't know, but I'm sure uh, Bellamy will want to get him on for at least one minute to try and get the ring if they do win. I think as well, you've got to look at who they still have to come back into this team. And Tui Kamakamitha, I think if he's fit on grand final day, he will be there. So to Nelson Asofa Solomona, they're obviously not in this 17. So I think the, the versatility that you get, <laughs> maybe with Nico Hines and Harry Grant on the bench, it can also work against you, as you say there. Uh, for the Eels, though, let's look at their team. And Blake Ferguson obviously comes back onto that wing. Uh, Hayes Dunster keeps his spot. But uh, the talking point from last week, their game, yes, they got a win. But Maker Sebo, their leading try scorer, uh, he's done and maybe even might miss the start of 2022 with that ACL tear. Yeah, disappointing to see. He wasn't having the greatest year on Supercoach, but obviously no one wants to see an injured player. And yeah, like you said, the nature of the injury, pre won't seem until a few months into next year. Tommy Turbo and the Seagulls get us underway on Sunday afternoon. And I think that was the big name that everyone was looking to see back on the team list this week, wasn't it? Tom Travojevic back in his jersey number one. And, uh, I mean, these two sides met something like six weeks ago and it was one-way traffic, 66 points to nil on that occasion. And given the losses that the Bulldogs here have in Luke Thompson and, of course, Adam Elliott after the week that he's had, we could be looking at a similar scoreline. Yeah, it's hard to um, exactly right everything you said there. Um, last time the doggies played the Seagulls, it was sixty-six nil, and the dogs had a few outs that day. And they've got a similar story here. It's, it's just really hard to make a case for them even to get within forty. Honestly, um, Tommy Turbo back is huge for obviously Super Coaches, but owners of Garrick as well now benefit from that, and even Jason Saab. They'll all go much better with Turbo in the team. 
So, yeah, it's going to be a, a fill-up for Supercoaches on Sunday. Looking here at the uh, – you're not playing the head-to-head on topsport.com.au if you're having a bet this weekend. Mainly a dollar four. The Bulldogs are $12, but the line has already gone from this afternoon uh, from 28.5 to 29.5. I know it's only a small move, but I can only see it getting even bigger, Tommy, because I think you know having Tommy back obviously helps their attack. You mentioned the outside men there in Garrick and Saab, but I think it also helps their defence. And if, if you're not telling me that the, the Bulldogs are getting within 30 points of the Seagulls here, I, I've got to say you're lying because... I don't, I don't see where the Bulldogs score their points, and I don't see Manly scoring any less than five tries. So for mine, I think um, I'd be even happy to take that on, which is, it sounds silly, five, you're giving away five tries, but I mean, even that, $1.80 looks looks value. Yeah, I, I'm surprised the line isn't higher. I think when Melbourne played the Cowboys earlier in the year, we saw the biggest line, I think it was 34 and a half by kickoff. But yeah, I thought this game probably deserved that because you look at, Every matchup, one to seventeen here, and Manly win seventeen out of seventeen. Like there's not a matchup that the dogs win, so I just can't see this being remotely close. And the last game of the round, of course, is the Penrith Panthers up against the West Tigers, and this one, yeah, I mean, it looks quite similar. Maybe not as bad here for the Tigers as what we're expecting uh, the Seagulls to do to the Dogs, but the Panthers, they're almost back at full strength. They welcome back Brian Toa onto the wing. What a luxury it is to have him back uh, on the eve of the finals. Nathan Cleary, third game up after that injury. Uh, Fisher-Harris back as well. So, geez, uh, that line of 28.5 here for the Panthers, that might be slim as well. Yeah, I honestly reckon this could be as bad as the Manly Dogs game in terms of margin, because this is the strongest team Penrith have put in the field Possibly, or yeah, I like Crichton on the wing, Momorowski. I think those two are, are both better than Charlie Staines. And obviously, Brian Tyler back, Nathan Cleary fit now against a team who really lost their season the other day. And we have to talk about this. Adam Dewey out. He's a big out for super coaches. Yeah, and that's, I mean, you thought things couldn't go from bad to worse for the Tigers. And that is the definition of bad to worse, isn't it? Their best player. Um, their captain in waiting, I feel. Their goal kicker, their, their primary playmaker, just gone here up against, if not the best team, um, definitely the silver medalists in the Panthers. So, yeah, Jock Madden comes in for his second start of his NRL career. And, yeah, not quite a baptism, but definitely he's walking into a pit of fire here. For me, Tommy, the most interesting thing out of this game is, and particularly Sunday afternoon, is the vice-captain and captaincy play. So we're playing with Tommy Turbo with a straight captain against the Dogs or are we doing a late shuffle and having Tommy with the VC and, and Cleary with the captaincy badge because it's going to be a big decision and probably the biggest decision for super coaches to make this week. Yeah, I think in a in an ideal world, you would hope to have VC, Tommy, Captain Cleary, but it's pretty hard if you don't have a player that you can sort of organise the loop with on the Sunday. It's not always possible and... Look, yeah, it's, it's a massive Sunday because the two best players in the game are probably playing two of the worst teams in the comp. Yeah, it's just going to be flat-track bullies, both of them. They're going to get over 100, you'd think. And How about my draft op- opponent has both Turbo and Clear in his team in a 12-man league? That is just unbelievable. That's it in terms of our uh, preview for round 24. But uh, obviously, before we get into our trades and our Supercoach talking points uh, ahead of the weekend, let's do our top sport best bets of the week and for mine it comes on Sunday I'm just happy to take these favorites on at the first to X markets so let's go both the Sea Eagles and the Panthers uh, first to 40 in their respective games you'll get about $3.50 for those two to both score 40 they'll obviously score them before the opposition that looks uh, a value play for mine yeah look mine are pretty similar to yours Um, I can't go past the teams on Sunday I think 
both the lines look too skinny. Manly minus 29.5 at the moment at $1.80. I don't see how they don't win by 30, really. I don't see where the dog's points come, and you think Manly would be scoring you know, at least six tries. And the same goes for the Panthers. They have a great defense. Tigers without Dewey will struggle to score anything, and the Panthers should be able to put a fair few tries on. So if you multi those two up, the, the Panthers are minus 28.5 as well. They're, you get about $3.30. Aside from that, just in a head-to-head market earlier in the week, I don't mind the Cowboys as an outsider, too. I was 25. I think they might have a little bit more to play for than the Dragons. They want to save some face, and maybe Tommy did and can finally get his win. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time coming for for poor Tommy Dearden. Um, it might not get any easier uh, this weekend, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that seems a good bet there. The Dragons, they've probably checked out. Not much to play for now, and this season has well and truly gone south very, very quickly. Tommy, uh, let's get into our Supercoach trades now, and obviously I think I said I've, I've exhausted all of mine a couple of weeks ago bringing in Nathan Cleary, but what about you? Are you playing with anything this week, or talk us through you, maybe your reserve choices. Uh, can you field a team of 17? I think I'm able to, which is a, a welcome surprise after last week. I only had 15 by the end of it. Uh, no trades left, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but two players back, uh, James Fisher-Harris and Matt Lodge, both uh, welcome additions to the team. So looking a little bit better this week, but uh, yes, no trades. Yeah, um, no trades from here either, as I just said, but Fisher-Harris back most certainly helps uh, bolster this forward pack, which is just lacking without uh, Crichton and Madison there in the 2RF slot. Jerome Hughes back, um, hopefully he goes out and, and starts here and plays well against the Eels. He could rack up a score and obviously need uh, those high-ceiling players now with Adam Dewey out. Unfortunately, <laughs> I have to run with Moses and Bai as my last reserve, but in saying that, he scored 66 in a well-beaten team last week, so maybe the punt on and by playing with that number one on his back has paid off. Yeah, look, he's been okay. Uh, it was a bit of a punt for me, I must admit, but it hasn't been too bad of an outcome. This game is obviously on paper extremely hard for him by against the Panthers, but they do have a game against the Dogs in the last round, so you may get rewarded there. Dogs might beat them the way that both teams are going. We'll get a good uh, indication of that on Sunday, as we say. Uh, big thanks to everyone who got their questions in at Supercoach365. A reminder, follow us right across the socials. You'll find us at that tag, and if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcasts. Uh, search Supercoach365 wherever you get yours. The season and it might come to a close in terms of Supercoach next week, but we will continue to drop some 2022 preview podcasts in the lead-up to next season. Big thank you to you, Tommy. Big thank you to all the listeners as well. We'll catch you next week. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.